God damn, what a banger, Eddie. <laughs> Cheers, man. <laughs> welcome, welcome, everybody. I hope y'all are doing well. We are joined by very, very special guest, Eddie Berg of Eminence. Eddie, how are you doing today, my dude? Cheers. I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, what about you? I'm well, man. I'm, I'm keeping busy. It's, it's, it's kind of near the end of the year now, so releases and all that stuff are somewhat starting to slow down, except for the amazing one we got coming this Friday, which is new imminence, obviously. So I'm not, I'm not as busy trying to keep up with the millions of songs coming out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going, man. <laughs> it's definitely going. Are you, are you big into kind of keeping up with, with new music and all that, or have you kind of found some of your favorites and then every so often you'll find a new band you're really into and start following them? Um, I try to keep up with the, the releases of the scene at least and check out what's going on on YouTube. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely attach myself to some, uh, specific releases from other artists and other genres um but i i don't think i consume as much music as i would like to to be honest that that's the funny thing is i feel like that's the story with a lot of musicians as they start writing more and start to do what they love and you know get more into the actual industry and working with people it seems that that's a theme where they stop actually being as involved as much with music stuff and they have to deal with all stupid stuff like organizing things and management and th things like PR even you know what I mean and scheduling times for uh for all of that so it's it's very interesting to see that kind of me a trend but yeah dude 2021 it's it, it's yeah. I've never seen as much music in my entire lifetime than this year yeah just drop out of nowhere <laughs> I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. I think a lot of artists spent most of 2020 writing hmm. um, due to the fact that they couldn't play any shows or, or do much hmm. um, other than sitting at home. So um, it makes sense, I guess. Yeah. What, what have you been doing other than obviously writing to kind of pass the time? Do you have any like special activities that you that you love to do that maybe people aren't aware of that might shock them? Um, I don't think so. I mean, we've spent so much time on writing music and, uh, especially like in 2020, um, I also re like released my, my side project. It's like a indie project, um, called Bear Mountain Park. Oh, so it's been, it's been a lot of, of music, uh, for the past like one and a half year, definitely. Um, other than that, I don't have much time than like, just hanging out with good friends and uh, taking care of my dogs, <laughs> dude. Yeah, that, that's 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 awesome, and that's it, again, it's it's so cool to see just people grind and get all this amazing music out. And obviously, like you said, kind of the pandemic, everyone's kind of stuck at home. And it was like, well, I guess we're all just gonna write. You <laughs> know, we can't tour. Yeah. I guess let's just write some cool stuff. And I definitely want to get into Eminence. First of all, huge congratulations on the new record, which I haven't heard the full thing yet. But like the Thank singles, you. man. We've been checking them out. I've never heard that combination of, I'm just going to kind of use the blanket term like modern metal instead of whatever, metalcore or whatever. Yeah. Modern metal with so much violin and emotion. I almost would call you guys like emotional modern metal <laughs> in a way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I want to ask you, like, where did that all kind of, I guess, stem from? You know, like, take me back a little bit to where. I guess you started more so getting into music and then kind of journeying into imminence and how that process was for you as, as a young dude. You grew up in Sweden, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We're all from Sweden, the whole band. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we grew up in a small um, town or village in the southernmost part of Sweden. And uh, we started playing like when we were in high school or um, even when we were younger, just jamming together playing covers like smells like teen spirit and nice. uh, <laughs> killing in the name of and all the classics mm -hmm. and uh, a few years later um harold approached me with this new idea he had we he wanted to start like a melodic death metal band um in, in inspired by in flames kind oh, of okay. and um so yeah i joined in there and uh that was the project that turned into imminent so that started in 2009 and then um, we kind of formed the band in 2010 hmm. and uh, since then we've just been going at it I guess Dude, um, that, that's super cool like when how was kind of the the scene in Sweden 
back then when you're growing like was there i mean obviously there was bands like in flames and like i mean sugar i think they're from sweden <laughs> you know like there were there was big bands that were definitely making an impact but like were there mm. metal heads everywhere you went or was it really like more of an underground thing where you kind of grew up still? i mean it was such a huge gap from you know like the smaller artists to the bigger metal acts right. and i think back in that time Sweden was definitely more of a metal country, like a classic metal uh, mm. fan base. And uh, the core scene hadn't really established that much. I mean, that was pretty much when it all uh, took off, I guess, around that time. Mm. Um, but even to this day, it's really hard for bands to break in Sweden. Mm. It's a very difficult market. I mean, we have a really big country, but not many people living here. Um, so it, even, you know, some of the more, um, like more renowned acts, they are, they have to break, you know, outside of Sweden before they can get recognized back home. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it, I, I, I'm, it's kind of similar up here in Canada because everyone just thinks I live in the USA because I, I speak like I live in the USA, but it's somewhat similar here. I think if there's more people though around here where there's like, kind of little pockets of, of bands that are doing stuff and then there's like the big bands that come from Canada but a lot of it's kind of more pop and mainstream music like everyone knows Drake and you know Justin Bieber and stuff like that um, yeah. but when it comes to metal I, I kind of had that same struggle somewhat growing up it's like even finding people to play with was was a bit of an, an issue because it's just like where, where do you kind of go when you know it's not <laughs> these huge places like obviously the USA or even I know Germany pops off with metal and a lot of specific places that kind of just really show show these bands the love. And there's ways for smaller bands to kind of get in the more mainstream. And I mean, when you guys were going back then, I know the internet was obviously still going, but I don't think, unless correct me if I'm wrong, the internet was as important for your band getting huge as it is now. Is that kind of true? No, I would I would agree with that. Hmm. I mean. One thing that I recognized was when we started playing, we actually had kind of a local live scene. Right. I mean, it wasn't big, but we could go to like a, a youth house or anywhere, like a small, not even a venue, but just some kind of a hangout place, make a show, and there would turn up a bunch of people and friends coming to, and we would play together with other bands that we knew from the same town. Mm -hmm. And after a few years, you really saw how that kind of scene started to die out. Right. That's super. I don't know if it was the same thing for you, but. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Drake over in Canada specific, it's just Drake <laughs> and just, they're just so popular that it's just like, that seems to be like the heart and soul. A lot of Canada. I mean, there's, there's still, again, like a lot of bands, there's a lot of smaller bands, deathcore bands that you'll see doing some cool, bigger stuff, but it's definitely smaller around here, but that's really interesting to see. So how did you guys then, I guess you guys formed the band, you started playing local shows. How did you start to gain a little bit of that traction other than obviously making probably good music at that point, right? <laughs> I think the first traction we got was um, a single from our second EP called Wine and Water, which we released on uh, a channel called Hardcore Worldwide. Um, nice, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's not that big now, but, you know, for for us at that time, it was kind of small breakthrough for us, at least. Mm -hmm. or it felt like it. Um, and then I, we just kept going at it. And um, I think the, the biggest, like, stepping stone for us was probably releasing The Sickness in 2015. Yeah, dude, first, I remember, first. all like, even on YouTube, I would see it every day for like a year in my recommended <laughs> feed. And I just, it's just some things you just like sometimes don't instantly check, but you're like very intrigued. You know what I mean? So I would, I would see that pop on my YouTube feed, get in traction for like a year. Like, you know, and the face, I know the <laughs> thumbnail where you have the stuff all over your face, right? It's very intriguing. Yeah. Thumbnail, right? Yeah. And um, just see, and then I'm like, I have to click it. I had to fucking click. And you click it and you're like, damn, man. Like, it was very unique for its time. And again, even what you guys are just doing in general, it's, because it encapsulates a lot, a lot of energy, a lot of emotion, and it it has somewhat of the vibes of like the big like whatever architects and spirit box and all that. But you guys have your own complete take 
on that style, especially with what I really want to definitely want to get into the violin and all that. So take <laughs> me back with the violin because I need to know how did you get that good at not only singing, which is you're ridiculous with your vocals, by the way. Oh, but also so. violin. That's not something you expect many, you know, young scene kids or guys into core <laughs> to be like, I can't wait to go into my core band and play violin and, and <laughs> kick ass. How did that kind of come all about? Well, I actually started playing when I was uh, five years old. Okay. Um, I went to like an open house at a municipal music school. And uh, first I was, my, my first idea was like, I, I think drums are cool i want to get into that right and uh, go go up to the drum room and there's like 10 kids banging on everything <laughs> in the room at the same time and i was like no 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 fuck that. <laughs> so uh let's try something else and then um i was interested in guitar but i was actually too young mm. and uh then we went into the violin room and i was like yeah maybe i can play violin that would be cool right. and uh, yeah i just kept playing during all my time growing up um and um later on like when i was like done with school mm -hmm. and just started working i started taking some uh, private lessons um from a really good violinist just to like i felt that i needed to like, develop myself a bit further than i was able to just going to a, a basic school and, and uh, playing a 20-minute lesson every week. Um, right. So that actually helped me tremendously. Um, and, you know, we started using the violin already in, in Imminence back in 2013, uh, and it wasn't really recognized because we didn't front the instrument so much. Like, mm -hmm. we even used it through the, our first uh, full-length album, and we used it in the sickness, for example, but it wasn't really something that people uh, catched up on. And uh, to be honest, I never felt at that point that I was skilled enough to like bring it as some kind of solo instrument. Right. Um, but then it came to our, like after we released our sophomore album, um, which was going in a more electronic direction and there's, actually not a single violin on that record um mm -hmm. except for the acoustic versions um then we we kind of saw like we used that violin and the acoustic version of uh this is goodbye for example and that got a lot of traction and and uh appreciation from the fans right so we started br bringing it to the live stage mm -hmm. and we got such a massive response from it that it was like Okay, maybe this is something we should consider implementing more. So you, you, you know, you started uh, cut you off. So you started incorporating well, you did with the acoustic track, and then you experimented with actually the violin with some of the other tracks live, and that's what gave you the okay, like this, this is working to start using it more in your tracks. Is that is that what went? Yeah, uh, I, I mean maybe a little bit but it was mainly like we we actually had like an acoustic break in the middle of our of our full life set um okay that makes sense but you know it it was i never wanted it to be like a, a gimmick so it, it shouldn't it was never the, the way that we try to force it into any song because mm. uh, we we always write for the, what is best for that particular song that we're writing at the moment. Mm. And if we feel that the violin adds something to the song, then we will put it in there. But it's it's not something that we feel obligated to do. That's good, yeah, because I, I feel like, obviously, especially in modern age of metal, where everyone is using any noise they can as, you know, a layer or as a sample, like, you, they'll find a trash can, they'll find, like, a bird, and, you, you know, like, they'll use any sound and somehow mix it in. I feel like a lot of orchestra stuff has always been more just as a layer in the background instead of, mm. like, a nice added emotional focus, and that's what I love about what you guys are yeah. doing. It, it feels like you have... Not, it's not just a guitarist, bassist, vocalist, and drummer. It feels like even though you're doing vocals and violin, like you have a violinist. Like it's a core part that you can choose to incorporate as much as you'd like, whatever you're comfortable with, right? Which I feel like that's just such a yeah. unique niche you guys have. And that's the first thing when I saw 
I, I, I think the sickness and then later we actually, you, a lot of people in my community were telling me to check out, it was the other one, I, I always forget, it's, it's the biggest one you guys have, I think. Um, not the sickness, the other one on YouTube. Um, infectious. Yes, maybe. Infectious, thank you. <laughs> I'm very bad with song <laughs> names. Um, infectious, cool. and everyone was like, Nick, check out Infectious, check out like this band Imminence. And I, I was like, okay. And then I threw it on and that's the first thing obviously that caught my eye was, of course, Oh, you know, violin. I was like, oh, this is very soothing. And then you hear the voice, you know. Then, then I hear your <laughs> your your crazy ass screams, right? And obviously, you're you're very melodic, beautiful, cleans. And I just I was in complete shock. And everyone watching was like, what What's happening? You know, like it, it was very it was very refreshing for the time. And you know, hearing that mixed in with again a lot of stuff that was popular, like obviously Architects or whatever. Spearbox wasn't really doing much uh, as much back then. But how did you develop on the vocal side just that that perfect package of like you got the screams, you got the the singing, you got the pitch screams, you got still some lows though thrown in there. How did you develop all that, and how long did that take you to be really comfortable with? Uh, thank you so much for the kind words, Ben. Um, like, like I said, we started back in a basement, and um, I basically I just started trying out screaming, and right. I it it all began with like failing over and over and over and over again, learning myself how to do it without hurting my voice. Right, and um, you know then. We we took our first couple of releases into like um, into a studio, our first two EPs, without making any proper like pre-productions or anything. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of an eye opener for me as well, like going into a proper studio, you know, getting that feedback from your own voice, mm-hmm. and which can be very uncomfortable in the beginning. Oh yeah. And um, then we try to like start the process of you know for the next releases to make our own pre-prods and try to do it better and um in the beginning um it was peter and alex who recorded me uh, while we were doing takes and in, in the rehearsal and at one point i just started getting frustrated uh <laughs> by like having someone else doing like it, it wasn't in my r- rhythm as i would like it when i was recording so then i said okay just teach me how to do it and then I will do it myself mm-hmm. and that's I think how it started with me like practicing and getting better with my own voice was just doing takes after takes after takes and listening through everything and editing everything myself to listen to different nuances and trying different things to mm-hmm. how to achieve a certain sound to the voice um, and you know I think we just got better and better at doing that um, over the years that's also so by learning by going through the process of learning screaming specifically like so you actually learned a lot of i guess basic or maybe advanced recording techniques while going through there like having a DAW, you know getting things recorded properly layering get everything kind of timing editing and and vocal production is that something that now with again writing and that kind of bigger picture i'm assuming you guys kind of are going with now do you take into account a lot of fun production things you can kind of do with your voice that maybe, you know, when you're just sitting there writing, you're not, it's not right off the top of your head, but it's, it's, it still comes up as like, oh, wow, it would be really cool if this was like a lo-fied background scream or if these screams, you know, were layered specifically. Is that something that you're more, I mean, yeah, it's funny that you mention it because, you know, I, I've also been doing, um, for the past two albums, I've been doing all the, like, atmosphere and, um, okay. like, synthesizers and everything, like the soundscapes for the album myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it came to this release, I really wanted to break away from, like, the sample libraries uh, right. specifically. So I had these ideas, like, um, just basing different layers of my voice and just completely deconstructing them and uh to to make a very unique sample but also really cool soundscape so what you hear a lot on this album is actually like different um layers of of my voice among other things or sometimes we deconstruct the guitars or mm. any other instruments 
to to make those very special samples. Yeah, I feel like nowadays, especially because it seems like anyone can even start like a home studio a little in their in their room, basically their bedroom, right? If you get an, a Don yeah. an interface for like two hundred bucks and you know have some mic or have a guitar, it seems like people can get learning a lot easier nowadays. Whereas back in the day, like that was not a luxury. You know, you, it's it's no. like you wanted to record, you go to a studio. There, that yeah, was it was a huge threshold back in the day. Yeah, like, and then it was also it sucked because it was also obviously very expensive. And then a lot of bands, <laughs> you know, one of the most fundamental things I think when it comes to music and getting better at your your instrument is not just playing it, but recording and hearing it back. I think that yeah. is absolutely essential. Even being a guitarist, you know, you think you're good. And then you record yourself, and then you're like, <laughs> okay, you know, this is a lot the rea different. Reality check. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a big reality check. And how was that? I guess for you, kind of that first time. I guess both on violin and with vocals, like hearing yourself recorded back. Was it like, oh wow, this is really cool? Was it a confidence boost, or was it a bit like, oh shit, I gotta <laughs> work on this a little bit to kind of get it where I want? You mean from the first time? Yeah, the first that first time you hear yourself come out of those computer speakers. What was that? How did that feel um, for you? That was absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. Mm. Like we we have a basically a demo we released back in 2010 which isn't available anywhere. We printed it on our some CDs ourselves. Right. And uh, we recorded it in this really shitty studio uh, that normally does like you know bachelorette parties and things like that <laughs> <laughs> i mean they, they were metal guys doing it but that was their main thing right. to get cash and um now it, it was definitely really heartbreaking <laughs> mm. but uh yeah it, it, it gives you motivation to keep going i guess yeah that's that's awesome here and, and the fact that you're doing it in all these soundscapings like that that's right that's production that's its own kind of skill in in itself is building soundscapes which i'm sure uh, you know i'd love to understand your maybe balance between like now that you've spent so much time songwriting and dealing with production your balance of almost you know showing off with some of the instruments because i'm sure on the violin like i bet you could pop a crazy ass you know you could probably go off if you wanted to but you always do it very tastefully so when it comes to writing how do you kind of balance you know i guess showing off and more techniques and skills versus what's good for the whole song to be to feel complete mm, that's a good question i think i i always try to just like look for what is best in the song and i mostly i tend to gravitate towards like melody and right, i okay. guess that's why most of my violin playing is also a bit more simple because um, mm. I think that there you've heard like violins in metal and rock before, but it's a lot of the times it's like you say it's like a show off, almost <laughs> like a fiddle or like a, yeah. it feels like a folky element, and that's not what I wanted to bring into Imminence because I would wanted to add to the emotion that we have as a band mm. and um, you know having that uh, strengthening strengthening that feeling. Yeah. How important do you feel, especially in modern day, is it to have something very unique about your band that kind of makes you stand out um, with so much music out there? Um, I mean, I think it's essential because mm. there's no other way to break through the noise um, other than standing out. Yeah, a, a lot. But I, I, think, I think it's been like that all the time. Like, mm -hmm. it's just... You know, the, the market is, is different and the seed is different and everything is different than it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, but I think you always needed something to, to, to stand out amongst others. Yeah, and I mean, especially like now production with bands, right? Production and, and mixing, it's like every new band has already just good, you know, it's, it's a good mix. It's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's even yeah. hard to differentiate with with something like hey we paid you know 200 bucks for a really good mix now you're just entry level you know what i mean it's like it seems that used to be a big thing is like wow this sounds really crystal clear and i guess the music's good yeah. too now it's just 
you're, it, if it doesn't sound like that, it's like, no, like I'm not going to listen to this kind yeah. of deal. And it seems like a lot of things are banking on uniqueness more so and, and, and just pure talent, musicianship, and actual song structuring and crafting, right? Yeah, which absolutely. I'm, yeah, which that comes a lot more with obviously just just experience, and it's I feel like it's very hard for a lot of new bands to kind of get in there and try to make that impact with something different. That's like you said, not gimmicky though, right? Because yeah. sure, a band can come in with whatever a fiddle or something like that, but if if it doesn't actually make sense in the song, <laughs> it's just they're the fiddle band instead of an actual, yeah. you know band that makes good music if that makes sense yeah i, I guess it depends on what kind of um, kind of music and what kind of um image you want to have as a band i mean if you want to be a funny folky metal band then mm-hmm. that, i guess that's right for you but um. yeah yeah image i feel like was a lot more kind of in the early 2000s it was like image is absolutely all and, and everything with bands especially you know they they got labels and the labels are like well you better you know no no messing around and there wasn't as much social media where bands would post like their daily lives of hey i just ate at mcdonald's you know what i mean like it wasn't really that it was every single picture you would see of a band member was professional you know every single video was perfectly done there was no room for kind of mistake with image. And nowadays, again, with social media and people just kind of being very free, you see a lot of just, it, I feel like it's a lot more relaxed. And even though image is definitely important and sometimes can sell bands, literally, it it yeah. almost takes a backseat, which I, I'm, I'm happy for, for the actual music, you know, which is good. And it's it's not... I feel like it's a little less gimmicky nowadays, I guess is my point. But again, I, I love the that violent aspect. And again, that was the, definitely the first thing that drew me to you guys and having that very modern sound, right? And, and mixing in with a lot mm-hmm. of metal bands and metalcore bands or even, again, you mentioned like In Flames and stuff. I can definitely hear a bit of like the old school melodic death metal thrown yeah. in there, which is really cool. And when it comes to, I guess, songwriting for you guys, what is your what's your go to start for a song? Is it you have a melody? Is it you start with the chorus and create a melody? Is it you have a cool, I don't know, guitar riff that you tell your guitarists to kind of go with? What's what's that number one step usually for you? Well, it's actually it's come to the point where it's me and Harold who is writing the song mm-hmm. together, and. Um, Usually or most often he comes with an idea and that could be like a half half rough song, like a skeleton, right. maybe riff and maybe a chorus. Um, and then we usually go from there. Um, I write all the lyrics, so I usually keep a little bit of a bank um, of what I've written down at different times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just clicks like, oh, this would fit perfectly over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's some cases, uh, also in this album where like I had basically a whole idea, like the song alleviate, which, which was the second part of, of the video for chasing shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, I had mainly the whole, um, lyrics figured out before we started on the song and I started working on the chords as well. Mm-hmm. And then I took that to Harold and we worked out like how we should do it um hmm. so yeah it's, it's it's very different from time to time but most of the times it's um like starts with a basic riff or a chorus and we take from there right yeah a lot of, I, I know some vocalists even that start with lyrics first which is i feel like that's such a dangerous game to play because <laughs> you know it's cool to tell a story and make it all conceptual but starting with lyrics first and forcing the music to have to revolve around i feel like that is it's so tricky but if you can pull it off it it's very rewarding and again it it can create a whole concept album if you really want but uh, even on the lyrical side like these these lyrics and i'm not i'm again i'm a guitarist i'm not a huge lyric dude it's especially like when i'm listening to songs i'm i'm focused on so much stuff that as much as i want to be focused on the lyrics as much I just can't, but after listening to you guys for quite a bit, like you guys have some pretty, it, it almost seems 
dark but inspiring (laughs) at the same time themes and lyrics can you kind of go more in depth with with that stuff and and what is your lyrical i guess main inspiration or that you kind of go with um i mean i'm i've been quite open with that as well that you know i suffer from time to time with depression and uh you know like having dark thoughts and music is the thing for me to like that place to put it to help me deal with these kind of emotions mm. and uh so that's why i think most of our songs actually come from that place because it's what it's like the the most closest thing to my heart and i think um, that a lot of people recognize that and appreciate that and um actually feel helped by it and, and that's really really hard for me to see Right. Do you, I, how, how often do you get messages like, Hey man, like I listened to your track and like it changed my life or, or it made my day and, or I got even imminence tattoos and like lyrics tattoos. Yeah. We, we have a lot of that. And I think it's, yeah, at least every day, you know? Um, so that's pretty amazing and it's inspiring to be honest. Yeah, man. That, that It's amazing. And again, when, like I can tell even just talking, like you're a dude that's like music first, emotion first, get that going. And then everything else seems to kind of come into place with a lot of fucking work, right? It's, it's, it's not like an overnight. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. It's it's a lot of work, but you know, yeah. seeing how you guys are compiling these songs, it's, it's very, it, it, you can tell you guys have been writing together for a while with that band dynamic, right? How how have you guys kind of over the years built that band dynamic? Is it one of the? Is it a very healthy relationship where you guys are all friends, or are you are you mainly like okay, we have to write an album, let's all get together? How is that dynamic, and how does that dynamic with your band play into the actual, I guess, music when it comes down to new albums? I mean, the guys in the band are still my best friends, and uh, we we get along so well, and I think. Over the years, it's just gotten better. Um, you know, in the beginning, we started writing like by jamming songs together. The old, old the school peak. way, yeah. <laughs> Yay, in the rehearsal. And then that uh, started to, we started moving into pre-production. Mm-hmm. And at that point, and on our first album, we wrote the entire album together. And for our second album, that's when me and Harold started to like learn a bit of the basics of working with a DAW and um, started to record by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, at that time we had, me and Harold had a very like fixed idea of what we wanted to, to make this album sound like, or kind of we wrote a song, which was actually, this is goodbye was the first song we wrote, I think. Uh, where we thought like, okay, this is really cool. This is something else. Um, maybe this is something we can build on. And, um, for the third album, that was pretty tricky to be honest, because me and Harold had maybe too big of, too big expectations of, of where we wanted to go. And we didn't really have the same opinion all the time. And we took, put way too much pressure on the writing and on the song right from the get-go and that was a really important lesson for for me and for us to learn mm. um because you cannot like choke a song before you let it develop into something else and mm-hmm. so by by this time for this album we just said like let's let's not think anything about an album right now let's just write songs I mean, we knew we were, we needed to make an album, but let's not think that, okay, this, can this riff be on the album? Right. Like, let's just write songs for the sake of writing songs. And that's it. Like, it, whatever is best right now for this particular track, let's do it. And now we move on. And, and that's how we made Heaven Hiding is just by writing and writing and writing. And after about eight or nine months, we wrote a lot of songs, but, we still were completely in agreement with each other exactly which tracks should be on the album. And there was no argument whatsoever. Mm. I think that's a really good mentality to have when it comes to songwriting, because then you 
allow yourself to to go to different places which you wouldn't maybe expect uh, when you started writing so. Yeah, because if, you, if you're writing an album, you know, every every musician, they always have this maybe picture of what they want to do, you know, they want to do the next whatever, uh, crazy, bring me the horizon type album, or you know what I mean? Like they and, and as soon as you do that, you put yourself in this creative box. And when you're in a creative box, you, you know, you can't, you're scared then to try crazy, fun shit, you know what I mean? Experimental yeah. stuff. Like, hey, let's put like a fucking saxophone over this breakdown, or you know what I mean? Like, just weird, fun things where if you have this pre preconceived notion of has to be this way, you have to do it like this. Is going to be an album. All these songs have to flow. I f- yeah, like the writing just loses that that spice, and then I feel like a lot of bands also they 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 have these like two extremes it seems especially in the metalcore scene where it's like yeah. we're gonna write the same album for the next ten years. And then the other side is we're going to write everything that's not even close to what we're writing just to experiment and be different. And it's it's very scary because the bands that write the same thing, obviously, I mean, you get sick of it and the bands maybe start to get uninspired because they're scared to take risks or they're like, well, we have to write another of that exact album and, you know, get the same sales and keep going. And then the bands that sometimes are too off the chains that are like, we're going to make an album that is fully, completely different they sometimes don't get to capture the fan base they've been, you know, developing over all these yeah. years, which can be really uh, unfortunate. And I've seen that countless times in the metal in metal scene, but especially in like kind of the metalcore scene when there's like, oh, Bring Me the Horizon is now pop. Let's, you know, write a whole pop album, even though we're, you know, a heavy band and you know, it seems to put a lot of bands in in this box. So I think that mentality you guys have is is absolutely the ace mentality to go with it because you must you just must feel a lot more freedom when writing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like you should always write for yourself. Like you should write what you want and mm-hmm. what you want to say. Because um, I think when when you're being honest with yourself what you want to express then people will also recognize that and feel that yeah and and it kind of almost brings in more of that i call it like a consumer mindset but more of like a metal fan mindset instead of like this hardcore i'm a musician always mindset which i feel like is again a a detriment to a lot of sometimes musicians because they're so focused on making everything musically so special instead of just sitting back Mm -hmm. you know after they record something and listening to it and being like do I get hyped every single time this mm. song plays, right? <laughs> am I like, yeah. what, either if it's a heavy thing, ready to mosh, or if it's emotional, am I ready to like almost cry every single time this song plays? And then coming back a month later and listening to it again and being like, does that have that same effect? I feel like that's just, that's the best almost like um, check, you know, check if something has that emotion, has that feeling. Then you sitting there and, and being like, well, musically, you know, theoretically, this is a perfect song or a perfect structured pop song or yeah. whatever it might be. It's just you as a music fan. That's why you're writing the music. <laughs> you know, do you yeah. flow with it? Are you excited? And just does it take you to those special places? Yeah, that, that's another thing. Like really trust your gut, uh, especially with that first instinct you have when it comes to songwriting. Because I remember when we when we were writing for Turn the Light On, mm-hmm. uh, I came down to the studio and uh, Harold and Peter had been working on the instrumental for Infectious, and they basically had the whole song figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so excited at the first moment that I heard it. It was like I was just hugging them and. Uh, mm-hmm. Like pulling up my my lyric sheet, and I did, I did all the song in like one a few hours. Uh, all the lyrics, all the vocals, everything you hear today. Mm-hmm. But then you know you let some you let it sit, and then you start to question yourself, and you're like, is this catchy enough? Yeah, is this the right structure for being like a a good. A song that people will appreciate and, and you start diving too much into it and we did so many changes 
um, trying different w- things with the song, changing the lyrics, changing the melody. Mm-hmm. And in the end, nothing worked. So we were like, okay, after a long time, we went back to the original state and it was the best version. And, you know, it's funny th- thinking about that today because it's our biggest song mm-hmm. to date. Yeah, well, how, I have to ask how um, how soon in that songwriting process was that main violin line? Because that is in my ears every day. I can't; it, it, will, it will not escape. How soon was that? Like the one of the first things, or was that when you came in after Harold? I mean, uh, th- I think that was after I laid down the vocals. Oh and then wow! Started okay. working with the violin as well. Wow, that was right after. Because yeah, that that to me, uh, like instant i'm done i am hooked and then obviously there's the huge <laughs> chorus and the song itself is really good right but like hearing yeah. things like that and it's just the, it's just the energy and, and that's what i love about you guys is you're it, there's emotion everywhere and even though you guys go from you know i call it like good cop bad cop like soft and sometimes really heavy kind of <laughs> right <laughs> you consistently there is energy even when you guys are kind of a little bit more soft and chill, like in the verses of like he- heaven, heaven and hiding, right? There's still this yeah. just ele- electricity almost like that. You just, you're, yeah. you're ready. You hear it's coming. How do you guys infuse so much emotion and energy in those songs? Even if they're almost ballad ballads for some of them and then heavier for the other half. I mean, I wish I could tell you, but like we, me and Harold, we've become such a like well-oiled machine by now that we're basically like a tag team when right. we're writing a song. So we're just checking out and tapping each other out. And um, I take over and, and work on maybe the, the arrangement and the synthesizers or the background layers and working on the vocals, the violin. And Harold mainly does the, the biggest job with like the drums. And obviously all the, str- the string instruments like the guitars and the bass mm. um so i think he he gives a lot of that like energy in the writing when it comes to the backbone of the song mm. um and uh, to, to make it flow and, and he has become really good at, at doing those things on like which kind of beat it should be and uh, i think i just like try to match that intensity and, and emotion with the, the vocals and the lyrics right and you i feel like you guys have that like i said that perfect balance where i i, I feel like a lot of bands try to do kind of what you guys do in terms of like again the bad cop good cop where it's like really soft or, or then really heavy you know here's our deathcore song and then here's our you know uh poppy post-hardcore song but i they're missing that they don't have that energy you know, so then it just seems like this is a song for the sake of it being a soft song, right? They're, they're, even lyrically, I'm like, where's that connection? And you guys, every single track, I, I don't care if it starts chill as fuck or if it starts heavy as shit. I know I'm going to sit there and almost cry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to feel that through the screen and especially through the videos, which I want to ask you too, because, you know, obviously you're doing the lyrics and stuff. Do you have a, are you like who's doing the video do you have a huge say in what happens in the video to really describe that the the theme of the lyrics what goes on there i mean for for these videos we've been putting out this year um it all started with um the visual concept from our friend and graphic designer who's actually been doing all our full-length album artworks now Mm -hmm. um so we've known him a long time and we started working on the, the artwork and he created some kind of mood board um, to, to set like a, a picture of like how how the artwork should feel and how the album should feel. So if, in I, terms if I might of ask, imagery. sorry, especially for people, who what is a mood board specifically? A mood, a, a mood board is like a, a document you just pull in like inspirational pictures. Oh, okay. uh, that you find just to, to get like uh, the, the feeling of something like if he wanted to create something he wanted it to feel like draw inspiration from different things so would you even um, like put like colors like if you have an image of a co- like colors or even specific i guess emotions or like specific sa- um scenery is that the kind of stuff you would throw it all together yeah you okay yeah you could yeah 
And so when we started working with Pavel, who did all the videos for, for this release as well, we worked with him before, mm. um, we sent him the mood board and then we just started discussing. Like He came with his input uh, for the first two videos that we were shooting, which was Temptation and Having a Hiding. Um, he had one idea and then we started to balance that off of each other. And uh, so for the main part, it was like me, Harold and Pavel uh, working out the stories together throughout the album. Mm. Okay. Yeah, because they, they seem to coincide. And I was even shocked actually when, because I, I I know um, Mark at, uh, or Michael, Michael, or, I forgot if his first name is Michael or Mark, um, at Arising. <laughs> and, you know, they work with three actors and stuff. So they, they sent me Chasing Shadows specifically. And I was like, this is a nine minute song. And I didn't realize there was, there was two tracks in there. And then I was like, oh, the whole point is that you watch it together because it it's, it's conceptually makes sense together, which I'm an, mm. I'm an idiot and didn't do at the time. But then I understood that later after listening to Chasing Shadows, right? And it seems just, again, very natural, again, emotional fucking energy. And that's like you guys just bleed that in, in whatever you do. And I love that it's at the forefront because I miss that. Yeah, as a metalhead, yeah. like, yeah, I like breakdowns and I like when the vocalists make the demon noises, but sometimes I just want to feel, right? <laughs> sometimes yeah. I just want to connect Absolutely. with something emotionally and, and just really get down to that and, and, and just, you know, that to me is what sticks more than like a song that's the heaviest song of the year sometimes you know what i mean yeah like because absolutely that, that's exactly what we're trying to do we're, we're not trying to be the heaviest band out there we're trying to mm -hmm. make an impact in in what we want to say and like you say keep the emotion even though it's if, if it's a really heavy breakdown it should serve a purpose for the song and not be there just to be heavy yes Absolutely. A breakdown for the sake of a breakdown is just is just sadness. I, I've seen it many times, in the, <laughs> especially in the metalcore genre where I'm like, I love that this is happening. But at the same time, this is just here to be here. And I, I know it's just yeah. here to be here. And because they couldn't think of maybe something else or something fun that could really kind of flow with it. And yeah, it, 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 the, the state of modern metal, as much as I love it and literally is, is based on my career, it, it definitely sometimes there's a lot of dry pockets and then you see like, the bands that stand out are always the ones doing something unique, you know, doing something yeah. different, which is really, it, it seems counterintuitive because a lot of bands I've noticed when they want to, you know, get to the next level, they do a lot of very mainstream sometimes things, but they don't do the mainstream stuff uniquely <laughs> right they, they seem to just do the mainstream stuff and expect well where's my radio play where's my grammys yeah. where's where's all this instead of understanding well it, that mainstream now thing worked for the original artist because it most likely was infused with passion and somewhat uniqueness at that time and then whenever when something happens especially in the metalcore scene where one band it seems to do one thing that's like, oh, it's it's this big thing. Yeah. All the other bands start to follow, and you start to see, yep, okay, there's the there's the Doomsday Rift for the fifth time. There's the you know there's there's the um, Ollie Sykes type you know whatever little kind of fun chorus or or whatnot. And there's the even Spirit Box now is is kind of very popular, which we're gonna have Mike on uh, in a moment as well. You know, yeah, it's like these bands do something big, and then everyone else tries to copy, but they don't understand that they don't. They need that pizzazz. They need that very special unique. Yeah, and yeah. Especially if you don't have the platform or, or the right partners to push it into a big market, then it doesn't really matter. Mm. And it it really comes back to what we talked about before, which is is writing for yourself and being honest in your music. And mm. that is the thing that's going to make you stand out and and come like come out to the fans oh absolutely yeah. how, how's it been for you i don't know if you're like on youtube or if you watch a lot of twitch or anything have you been watching like reactions or like things like that because that's that's a very new medium for bands right if, if a band wanted yeah, to see you know what people thought of their song they play it live and they see in the crowd but you know especially with COVID, a lot of bands couldn't tour so have you been on that grind seeing kind of reactions and all that kind well, of stuff uh, to answer your first question, I actually downloaded Twitch today for the first <laughs> time. <laughs> but uh, I, I have been on YouTube. Um, the whole band, we were watching reactions 
um, it's really great to see uh, how people are interacting with the songs and um, mm. how it makes them feel. So yeah, I watch a lot actually. Yeah, man. I, there's yeah, I'm, I'm sure it, there is a lot of reacting and things like that on channel, and that and it's it, it's just a new dynamic. It's a new era, I think, of of music consuming as well as you know even media, right? Like PR. Like your album's coming out on Friday and we're doing a podcast on Twitch. Like that's kind of a new, you know, thing like that yeah. even, right? So it's very cool seeing how the music industry is is evolving and, and tying things together in a way that I have never seen, at least in the past, like, I don't know, yeah. 15 years. Um, but it seems, even though it's very disconnected, because I mean, you're, in, you're, I'm assuming in Sweden right now, I'm in Canada. The fact that we can even have this conversation right now is so it's so yeah. special and unique through the power of this weird thing which is the internet that now everything is intertwined in yeah. kind of that's really cool medium and i, I think it, you know it's um it's definitely interesting to see how things have progressed just mm -hmm. in the, the the past few years mm -hmm. and um yeah well, it's a great great time for music if you look at it in that way. Dude, hell yeah, man. Exactly. Well, I know you have to head out in a moment. I want to say a couple things. Number one, of course, the new Eminence record is dropping this Friday in full, which I'm very excited to check out. Um, the singles have been absolute bangers. I'm expecting nothing but Seriously. a banger, of course, to, to come out of it. And I, I want to cry. Will the album make me cry, Eddie? A little bit? Tear up? Maybe? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Perfect. I love that, right? So yeah, everyone watching and we have 500 people watching. Thank you guys for hanging. Um be sure to Thank go you so much. Yeah, be sure to go pre-order the album, buy it, show them the love. You guys know an album, you know, release dictates the next 2 years of a band's life. It's what happens, right? Because that gives you the tour opportunities, that tells you, you know, which bands you can play with, what PR you can do, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all the industry mumbo jumbo, you know. Uh this kind of yeah. script stuff. So you know, show my dude definitely the love and imminence. And like I said, we're going to be checking it out on Friday. We actually have um, Howard Jones and Jared Dines on for the new Sign record, but we're going to be throwing on some imminence. Definitely checking that stuff out. But dude, yeah, man, th this has been an absolute yeah. you know pleasure chatting with you and getting to know you a bit better. Because as I said before, yeah, we definitely. started this, likewise. Yeah, as I said before, we started the stream. I I was even you know I like to do a little bit of research on my guests, but not too much because then it's all like interviewee and you know very specific. Um, I was like, "Fuck, I can't, I can't find much on my dude." You know, there wasn't <laughs> much information. So I was glad to actually be able to have you on here and actually get to understand, you know, the behind the scenes, how it all came about. Because I have never seen again that very unique combination, which is imminence, especially your talent of of not only being an incredible vocalist that can scream as well as any you know crazy modern metal vocalist, but also sing like an angel. We, and create crazy melodies <laughs> and play violin like a monster, <laughs> which I've never seen, man. <laughs> uh, cheers, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. Dude, yeah. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure getting to know you as well. Oh, dude, thank you so much, man. Yeah, Eddie, any last uh, second words for, for chat before you head out, other than obviously to check out the album and buy it for your neighbor and your cat and your hamster? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited about the release on Friday. Um, we haven't announced it yet, but we're actually going to do a little live stream on Instagram uh, on Friday at uh, 8 p.m. CET. So if you have time, then uh, join in. And thank you so much for hanging around here tonight with me, Nick. It's been a pleasure. Dude, hell yeah, anytime. Guys, can we get some claps for my dude, Eddie from Eminence? All right, again, show them the love. Check out the new album coming out this Friday. And um, just follow my dude, Eddie. You, you look at this gorgeous human being. Go follow him up on the gram and everything. You guys know the deal. <laughs> All right. Eddie, thank you so much for the time. Right after this, we have hey. Mike Stringer from Spirit Box. And yeah, man, it's been a fucking blast. Best of luck with the new album release. And I'm beyond stoked to check it out, bro. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Cheers. Awesome. Have a good one, man. <laughs>